Orthoman or Orthoman Christopher St. Clair. So easy to remember because I live in St. Clair County. It's meant to be, is it not? It's good to have you. Is it really cold where you're at? Uh, it is freezing, quite literally. We had two days of snow, and I think it's like 15 degrees outside. So, uh, But it's comfy in here, and that's all that matters. Yeah, we um, it, I'm in Alabama. We don't get that much winter weather. And when we paralyze us. So um, Friday, you know, I do a lot of, I'm a full-time substitute teacher. And so they canceled school Friday because there was a tornado threat. And we have those big, wide, end of the world tornadoes. Hey, JR, we have bad tornadoes. And so they closed the school. And so, you know, I'm, yeah, it's a three-day weekend. Then the gym teacher said, no, it's four-day because MLK is Monday. And they said, hang on. She said, I'm not through. They're forecasting ice for Tuesday and Wednesday. So we may be getting nearly a week off, which everybody likes to be off, but I don't get paid when I'm off. You know, so um, my kids, so Sunday after mass, we went over to Brian's house. You know Brian, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So we went over to his house and took my granddaughter to a movie. When we got back, they were all packed up. And they decided to drive up to the Tennessee line and get a hotel room because they were going to get seven to ten inches of snow. We were, you know, like that much ice, which would paralyze us. And they took off, and sure enough, they 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 got ten inches of snow and did snow angels and all all that good stuff. But um, I got out of the house for the first time since Friday. I mean, since mass on. Sunday. So you're used to that kind of weather, aren't you? Um, you know, you'd think that being uh, more north than you that we would be used to it. Um, unfortunately, we are not. Um, the D.C. area has a reputation for having the worst drivers in the United States, and I wholeheartedly endorse that fact. Um, it gets exponentially worse when there's even the thought of snow, much yeah. less when there is actually snow. And we did get actual snow only, you know, maybe, I don't know, two inches or something like not that much. But um, people can't drive when it's dry and they certainly cannot drive when it's icy. So I just left my house for the first time since this weekend, uh, like three hours ago to go to the grocery store. And <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, all my friends over have been sending me their little weather app pictures like eight degrees minus 16 and it's going down sorry i'm fooling with this light I'm, i know i look like an alien but it's going down to 10 here 10 degrees and uh, i'm not that used to it but i figured people from up north were but i know you got family in florida did you grow up in florida or up north uh so i grew up in the dc area um my family um, basically my family moved to Florida during COVID. <laughs> um, and I was there for, uh, like three weeks in December through New Year's. And so, um, uh, even though I have spent my entire life in this area, 
It is uh, once you spend three weeks in Florida and you come back here, it's still like coming to the DC area for the first time. <laughs> I've sort of lost all of my conditioning for ice in those three weeks I was in Florida, and so I'm just slowly building my tolerance back. Yeah, it's um, I had I had a lot of misconceptions about the state of Virginia. I've since learned it's really two different states: the northern Virginia area around DC, and then the rest of it. And the rest of it is like Alabama and Tennessee and deeply red, Trump country, rednecks, hillbillies. And I, I ended up being in your area three times last year, three times. A year ago today, I spent the night at Front Royal. I uh-huh. accident in a slave house from that was built, you know, before the Civil War. We, we were booking a bed and breakfast. And uh, we were going front row. We did not know that was the gateway to the Shenandoah National Forest. And when we got off the exit, we just keep kept going deeper in the woods and deeper and deeper and came to this freaking antebellum-looking freak house up in the woods with a man in a flannel shirt standing on the front porch, you know. And we thought we were going to a hotel. And it was a bad Oh, that was my introduction to Northern Virginia. Then I got to meet you by going there to Richmond area. Mm-hmm. And, and all my friends were saying, man, you better hydrate. This is my friends up there. You better hydrate before you get up here. I'm like, dude, I live in Alabama. Okay. I don't, I know what heat humidity, humidity is. So we get up there, this little town south of Richmond, I think it's called Monofleon or something, some weird Midlothian. That's it. That's it. So we get a hotel there, and the next morning we got up early and went to that haunted cemetery, the Hollywood Cemetery. Man, it was like four hundred degree furnace with a dew mm-hmm. point of a hundred, and I really thought I was gonna die right there of a heat stroke. Man, I ain't never sweated so much, and. We had to stop by the hotel before we went to Palooza so I could change. Then I get to Palooza and find out we got a vendor tent in the sun. Right? I didn't know we had a vendor tent. I didn't bring it in. So I'm sitting there, man, in this plaza with all these college-aged Catholic people. I'm like 30 years older than anyone. So I'm sitting there. I've seen this really cool-looking dude, man. I mean, he caught my eye, and I'm really into, like, San Francisco in the 60s, you know, the doors and, you know, Venice Beach and all that, and I see this dude. He looks like a lion. He's got this long, wavy hair, kind of like a hippie mullet, and this full beard. He's got these round John Lennon glasses on. Yeah, and like a, a groovy purple hippie shirt, like silky looking. And he's all big and buff, man. And he's strutting across the plaza. And I was like, hey, dude, come here. And you come walking up. I said, man, you want to arm wrestle? So that's how we met. Uh, that was definitely the most intra- uh, interesting introduction that I had to anyone at Catholic Palooza, which is saying a lot because um, I went to Catholic Palooza only knowing one person, and that was the person who drove me there, who bought my ticket and drove me there. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think before I get into the story, I think I need to share this link on Instagram. We got to get some people in here. Okay. Have you have you okay. shared the? Nobody oh. watched the channel live, but they sure will later. <laughs> before I divulge all the secrets, let's see. Yeah. Um, send me the. Uh, is it the same link that you? Yeah, Apple for Renex, just it's on YouTube. Okay. I'm going to post that real quick. Yeah. Um, Here. As much as you can tell me, because you just, you know, you said you knew one person when you got there. I knew um, one. They're my son. We got the same way of getting there. Someone bought us a ticket. Okay, one second. Those millennials, man, y'all are real quick with thumbs. <laughs> Or about five times. Um, I don't know. I'm a millennial, and I feel like uh, people younger than me call me a boomer. So you know, everything older than a zoomer is a boomer. So that's where I'm at. We're in the same boat now. <laughs> Came with one person that bought your ticket. Yeah. So, um, so the beginning of the story basically goes back to um, my best friend who I've known like my entire life, like quite literally my entire life. Um, we grew up together, all this stuff. Um, he was raised Protestant. Um, and, um, my dad is also Protestant. So, you know, there's a, a lot of overlap, I think, religiously in our backgrounds. Um, he converted to the Catholic church last year. Your dad? Um, no, no, no. My friend, my friend, not my dad, not my dad. Hopefully, hopefully this year my dad will convert to something other than Protestantism. We'll see. Um, no, my friend converted to Catholicism last year, um, and so you know, through going through the um, RCIA and everything, he was really um, engulfed in the Catholic community, and he made a lot of connections, a lot of new friends, all that. Um, and um, so he said, Hey, there's this music festival coming up. It's a Catholic music festival. A lot of cool people will be there. A lot of influencers, um, you know, St. Wave, Catholicism, all these people. And I was like, um, I don't know most of these people, but, uh, I'll take your word for it that they're cool. Um, so he said, you know, I'm buying a ticket, I'm buying you a ticket and we're going. And I was like, uh, well, I'm not Catholic, but I guess I'm going to a music festival. So like, whatever. Um, and so, um, the day of, you know, it's rainy up here and it's, uh, foggy and it's, you know, I'm lazy. I'm literally just sprawled out on the couch, like watching YouTube and he's like, all right, we're going. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, put my, put my groovy shirt on, you know, get out the door. So we go down to Richmond and, um, you know, we, we pull up to this, uh, you know, it was at a prep school, a Benedictine prep school or whatever. I was like, okay, this is an interesting place for <laughs> a music festival. But, uh, you know, it was it was a good vibe because it was a lot of, um, you know, young people or whatever. Like, the, the vibes were good. And then I looked down past the, uh, the ticket, um, you know, check-in place, and there's, uh, like, the giant Fulton Sheen cut out. And I'm like, all right, this is going <laughs> to uh -huh. be quite the event. Yeah. Um, so, you know... I went there literally not knowing anyone except for him. Um, and uh, through the course of that day, I made a lot of friends who are now kind of my inner circle. It was like, a, 
being there was like having a warm embrace from Catholics just in general. Like anybody was welcome there. And that was definitely true. Um, it also helped that they had a vendor selling bold rock hard cider, which definitely helped me <laughs> yeah. make friends. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I also went there because, you know, I'm a musician, I'm in my studio, whatever. I, I really um, got, you know, so my, my dad's Protestant, my mom is Greek Orthodox. And so I, the, Last year, I really came back to, uh, let's say, the apostolic faith. Like, Greek Orthodoxy is what I'm baptized in. It's my heritage. Um, but I approached sort of the whole topic from a new light. Um, and, you know, obviously researched Catholicism, researched Greek Orthodoxy. Um, and I started actually going to the Greek Orthodox Church and actually did confession and actually, you know, did everything um, actually fasted during Lent, all this stuff. And so spiritually, by the end of Lent, I was in a place where, um, you know, I was like, okay, God, how do I use my talents? Like, I have these skills. I've never actually done anything for um, the church or for my faith or whatever. So what do I do? And Catholic Palooza really opened the door that there is this need. Um, there is the need for us to have our own media, our own entertainment, our own talent that is not debauched in its nature. You know, I'd kind of reached the point where I couldn't listen to really almost any modern music because it's all like actually disgusting. Um, and so, you know, I met a lot of good talent at Catholic Palooza, as you know. Um, and from there, you know, we've been thinking about how do we build this? How do we kind of have, you know, people use the term parallel economy and that's kind of, um, you know, there's, there's some truth to that to a certain extent. Um, having alternatives that are not like necessarily uh, like Protestant praise music, you know what I mean? Like the, the contemporary Christian music sort of thing. It's beyond that. It's just having good music from people who are devoting their art to God, even if the song itself is not explicitly like about, you know, praise Jesus or whatever, like the creator of the art is dedicating themselves to that and the art will extend from that. So, um, so Catholic Palooza sort of ingrained in my mind that that's not just something that needs to be some done, but something that can be done. And um, so, you know, I met, good musicians, but I also just met people, Catholics who live in my area. And the DC metro area has an incredible Catholic community, very, very active. Um, not just in terms of, you know, church attendance or whatever, but in terms of the social scene, the activism, um, you know, I'm going to a pro-life thing tomorrow. Like there's, there's all sorts of stuff that's, um, these people are expressing their faith to the outside world in the belly of the beast, Washington, DC. Yeah. Um, and so I find myself in that now, which is not any place that I would have expected to find myself 
as a relative introvert who would rather never leave my house. But now I'm forced to leave my house, um, hopefully for good. <laughs> well, let me ask you, this fella here in the comments, I believe that's my friend Charles. We, um, we used to be in law enforcement together. He's, he's Greek Orthodox. Thank Greek Orthodox. See, the Orthodox Church is the forgotten forgotten uh, branch where I live, okay? In Alabama, if you say I'm Greek Orthodox, they don't know what, they don't know what in the hell that is. They don't. Um, they know what Catholic is and Baptist, Church of Christ, but they don't know. <laughs> My little brother just sent me a text. He got kicked off of a cruise ship. <laughs> what? Oh, God. I'll tell you later. Dear Lord. <laughs> But uh, his last cruise, he, he broke all his ribs and wound up in ICU. Yeah, he may need to lay off the libation. Excuse me. We don't like, you know, Orthodox. If you could just like Jr. down there in the comments, he goes right down the street to church with me, and I'm one of the guys when I th started RCIA at Catholic Church. The only thing I knew about Greek or Greek Orthodox was that a girl I knew and a guy I knew that were Greek, they just said, we're the original church. And I would always smart ass back to them. There's about 30 denominations that say that, you know? And so then I would hear it was the second biggest Christian church. And I would hear it's third biggest. But I, when I got in RCIA, they said, they explained the whole thing in about 30 seconds. They said, here's the Catholic church or the early church, apostolic church, the only church. And then after about a thousand years, they started having a PN contest about the colors of the robes and the wording of a creed. And they eventually did this. So one side is the Eastern side. That's your Greek Orthodox. The other side is the, Latin or the Roman side, that's your Catholic church. And we're, we're kind of all overlapped, but we ain't really together. And that's about as deep as we went. So you can ask Charles down there. I've never had a beef with my ortho brothers. I don't care if they're Orthodox. Um, um, sometimes I think Charles wants me to convert to the Orthodox church, but I heard their mass is longer. Uh, it can be. Um, Kill killer. <laughs> I don't know. Some priests are fast. You know, it, it depends. Uh, but um, yeah, I think there are few people who understand the Western and Eastern churches on either side. Um, and I certainly would not have um, cared to learn anything about Roman Catholicism or really had a reason to until I actually surrounded myself with Catholics and saw them living their faith, you know, yeah. um, I think unfortunately on the internet, um, the East and West is more of a meme war between the two sides. And there's a lot of polemicism and not really, um, good faith, uh, discussions between the, the laity on the internet. I will say when it yeah. comes to the, churches and their leadership there 
at least between the Greek Orthodox and the Roman Catholics, there is not hatred between the two. Um, Pope Francis and uh, Patriarch Bartholomew, who's the Patriarch of Constantinople, um, they have a good relationship. They want to mend, uh, you know, the split between the churches. Um, But there's a lot of, I don't know if it's necessarily catechesis, but just like a lot of misunderstandings about where the Roman Catholic Church, where the East and West actually intersect in terms of theology. Um, If you look at the agreements versus disagreements, there are far more theological agreements than disagreements. Um, Just the West will define things differently. And in many cases, the West will define things that the East just refers to as mysteries. Yeah. Um, Mysteries. I like that. Yeah. Um, And, but in the, um, you know, in the Catholic church, you have Eastern churches um, like the Melkite church, which I'm familiar with now. It is confusing. It is. um, You know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done to formally bridge the gap. Um, I think the people who are, the best representatives of their churches on either side are the ones who approach the other side with love. Um, and, you know, there's an additional sort of um, fracture on the Orthodox side because the Russian Orthodox church is not in communion with the Greek Orthodox church anymore. Is um, that or Because of the war. I mean, there have been issues uh, that predate that, but in terms of like a firm, um, break in communion has been since the war and territory disputes with Ukraine. Um, So, you know, that's a problem because Russian Orthodoxy is um, very, very, um, very trad, I will say, in terms of its liturgy and its preservation of history and customs. Um, So they were always um, less amenable to mending any sort of disagreement with the West. The Greek Orthodox Church is more open to it in terms of its leadership. Um, and uh, so there's there's a lot of work for the lady to do. And I, you know, I kind of um, think, you know, moving forward, it'd be great if the people with influence really approach the other side with love instead of just trying to dunk on the other side, like, Oh, look, you know, who blesses gay people or whatever. It's like, but once you open the door to criticizing the clergy over one issue, it's like, it's the plank in the eye thing because everything that one side accuses the other, the other side will just find an example of that on your side. And it's totally non-productive. Um, So really, the best thing to do is just go meet people who are from the other side and learn to love them. Because honestly, like most lady in the real world who are not on the internet, don't have any problems with anyone else. (laughs) They're just like, oh, you love, you love God, you go back to your an apostolic faith, like, you know, you're great. I think one of the great um, YouTubers who discusses this, and I saw you posted him the other day, Sam Shamoon. Um, his channel is, has a lot of great education about, um, theology and Catholicism, Orthodoxy and the Coptic church. Um, and so before Chris accidentally, I'll tell you about it later. 
you know, I have not been to a Coptic liturgy. Um, I would like to. Um, it's actually interesting. My um, my mom's side of the family goes back to Alexandria, Egypt, and my great, like, he's like a great great uncle was the patriarch of Alexandria in the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, but I have not attended, you know, an Alexandrian liturgy. So I would uh, a liturgy of Saint Mark. So I'd like to do that. Um, but I've not had the chance. So, well, I hope incense do not bother you a bit. Oh, do I love incense? Let me tell you, um, I have a uh, little, uh, I'll send you a picture later. I have a little like um, sensor um, that I got as a gift uh, this Christmas and uh, got a bunch of incense. And it's basically been a daily incense burning <laughs> in my house, which is difficult because I remodeled the house and by code, they had to put smoke detectors everywhere. So I have to hide the incense from the smoke detectors, but it's still right. worth it. Cause once it's done burning, everything smells like incense, your sheets and everything. <laughs> All right. Well, my oldest son lived in Redwood City, California in the Bay area. And St. James, the Catholic church was like two and a half blocks around the corner from his house. So I would walk to mass and on the way I would pass St. Michael, the archangel which I thought was just another Catholic church because they're everywhere. Well, I Googled it, of course. I saw it was, no, I didn't Google it. I just assumed it was Catholic, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, their church started later than ours. And so coming back from St. James, I just walked on in there because I thought it would be over by then, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, getting cranked up, brother. Let me tell you something. It was like being in a gas chamber. It was it's like being in a cloud, man. Like, you know, when you're on an airliner mm -hmm. and you're clouds and stuff, it, the smell was beautiful. This chrism, mm -hmm. incense, and I could barely see the priest. Mm -hmm. And I thought the, Ro the Roman Catholic priest was decked out. This guy, man, he had, he looked like the, the Pharaoh or something, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. A big old beard and... And I just sat in there and I'm always afraid of walking in on a different culture because I'm an old white guy. You know, there's been a bunch of mass shootings and stuff. So like I walked in on a black Catholic church one day and I went in the wrong door. I went through the side door and I'm like this looking in the, to see if they're having mass and they're going, you know, shivering, looking at me. So I come through the door and I'm the only white guy in there except the priest. Mm -hmm. And the priest was Irish. He had an accent. And, at, and I didn't want those people to feel uncomfortable because it was right after that South Carolina incident that, at that church. And so, you know, I didn't want the cop. Later, when I got home, I Googled. Mm -hmm. so it was Coptic, you know. And I just, the Coptic and Orthodox Church, I mean, Charles knows I said, I said, y'all, it's all Catholic to me. I don't care. We're all Catholic, you know. To me, what you got a left lung and a right. I don't, with me, I don't go, I like this lung better. This, you know, this is the only lung I know. I haven't breathed out this one yet, but they're, to me, they're together and I, I perceive them coming together. And I've never heard any of the, you know, the battle of the, the memes. Mm -hmm. you, that's all the, all I've ever heard about any differences. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the differences just don't matter to me. 
They don't matter. Yeah. They just don't bother me. So uh, Charles here is wanting to hook up with you later. Absolutely. He's a character. He's a scholar, and he's always writing stuff to me in Greek when he's texting me. I guess I don't know why. But uh, when you go to convention, is it like going at a Catholic church? Um, so the way the confession is done in the Byzantine, uh, I guess Byzantine rite as a general term is different. Um, granted I've not done a Roman Catholic confession, but my understanding of it is what I'm going off of. Um, in the, the Byzantine way of confession is, um, usually, so, you know, you were joking about how the, uh, the Easterns, uh, you know, is longer than a mass, right? Um, so usually in the Byzantine liturgy, before the actual divine liturgy, um, there is like an hour and a half or so usually of prayers that go before the liturgy. Um, or in evenings, like there's a Vespers, you know, which is like an hour or so. Um, during those times outside of the liturgy, um, if the church has the resources for this, there's usually a priest who's sort of by the side of the, um, you know, of the church um, who is there by an icon ready to take confession for people. So it's very simple. Um, you just go up, um, you know, he asks you if you want to make a confession, you say yes, you usually, you know, kiss the icon and then um, talk to the icon or or talk to the priest. It depends on how they prefer to do it. But essentially, the priest is listening in on you confessing your sins to Jesus Christ. And um, I, I sort of view the Byzantine confession as like a doctor visit, because the point is, obviously, to give you the assurance that your sins are absolved when it's over. But the point is that you have these sins and you do not want to have these sins going forward. You want to fix the problem. You have a, a spiritual disease that needs the doctor to look at it and give you advice as to what the therapy is. Um, and so the priest will hear your confession and then give you advice, steps to do better next week, to you know help you get over the sin. Um, and then, um, they put a shawl over your head and they read the prayer of absolution and, and that's how it works. So it is different, um, than the Roman way of doing things. But again, I've, I've never had a Roman confession, so I'm not entirely sure of, you know, how it's usually done. Yeah. I've seen all kinds and experienced all kinds. We got the Walmart kind, uh, we're all paying to see you. And you can grab him. He'll do it right there. I've seen when I worked at EWT in the parking lot kind. Sit right across my desk and do it. I've had, man, I've had all kinds of confession, but I hear I've gone to the Melkite a bunch. And no, they do the, like you're putting your head up there on the priest's shoulder and talking to his and I like the thing I like about confession 
is like you said, you're talking to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you hear Jesus saying, I absolve you of your sins. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that till my first confession, that release like that. I just, I didn't really get a whole lot out of just telling Jesus I was sorry as a Protestant. Mm-hmm. I was Protestant 50 years. Yeah. And I end up telling Jesus I'm sorry 11 million times about the same thing I did when I was yeah, it's um, I I agree with you. Um, having been raised seeing the Protestant side of things as well, um, and largely living it for most of my life because I was just kind of apathetic either way. Um, what was that? You cut out. A lot easier to be. Well, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, it's, it's easier in the sense of, um, not having clear responsibilities and it's difficult in terms of not having clear steps on what holy living looks like. Um, and I think as I came back to the faith and really discovered it the first time as an adult taking responsibility for it, um, I came to truly realize that it's not just a series of rules. It's a series of um, understanding human faults and understanding God's holiness and understanding how over the course of your life you can take steps to become more like Christ, to hopefully be a saint yourself. Um, And that's it's such a shame that in Protestantism, you don't have the tradition of saints. You don't understand their stories. You don't understand how someone um, could go from doing horrific things to being holy over the course of one lifetime. Um, But, you know, in the apostolic traditions, you have so many, you have countless examples of these people who may be just like you, who have been worse than you, but achieved greater things spiritually than you. And you consider that, you know, saints perform miracles, quite literally human beings performing miracles. Um, And you have so many, so many role models, potential role models to identify with, to ask for help, you know, Um, you know, the sad thing about Protestantism is the, um, the complete misunderstandings of what it's like to ask for intercession or to um, venerate saints. I mean, it's just, it's so sad because once you just accept that uh, veneration um, is not (laughs) idolatry, (laughs) once you just proceed through that and the floodgates open in terms of real practical examples to emulate in your life to be better, um, it really changes things in a tangible way, right? Because you're no longer just sitting in your car thinking, I hope I'm one of the elect. I hope I'm going to heaven. (laughs) You can say, well, if I want to go to heaven, there are certain things that I know I need to do that will help me get there. Yeah, uh, this girl, Margaret, uh, talking about what I am. Oh, yeah. Margaret, that you think I'm really smart. I'm just kidding. Hey, Margaret, you are pretty smart. I told you first time I ever looked in your eyes. I said, this dude is smart. I just, 
I could just see a lot about you in your eyes. I could do that sometimes. But, you know, when I was the, the, the worst thing about being non-Catholic for me was being, was staying confused about major issues. And it may be a mental illness like OCD or obsessive thought. But man, I'd lay in the bed and worry about major issues because each denomination seems to be focused on a major issue. And everybody else is wrong. Uh-huh. And, you know, that one issue w- was always a sticking point. Trying, you know, and I would change my mind about that main issue. Like uh-huh. I Calvinist. And then I'd change my mind and free will. Then later on, I, and I was just utterly, you can't even pray right. When, when you're confused, because you don't know how to pray. And then the thing I like what you said about the Orthodox Church having mysteries, I kind of read that in my catechism, becoming Catholic, when they got to some of that stuff about election and predestination. They said, that's a damn mystery. We don't, we don't know how it works. We just love God. So I was like, I'm good with that. It's a mystery to me. Yeah, it it is... Um... Yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean in the the Protestant mindset of, you know, we say usually 30,000 denominations are out there. It's like, it's really as many individual Protestant churches as there are, that's the number of denominations, because how many non-denominational churches do you have? It's really up to the whims of the pastor or maybe just the congregation themselves, whatever they want to believe. Um, and that's how you end up going down the rabbit hole on issues that do not matter to salvation, but create extreme amounts of division. Like you're saying, free will. Um, the Calvinistic understanding of free will can be very depressing um, <laughs> once you start actually picking it together and piecing the implications of their view on free will and predestination and all this stuff, it's incredibly depressing. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, kind of similar to Islam in a lot of ways. Um, so once you manage to break free from that and just look at things from a different light, um, you, see the hope like the like i was saying how it's not uh you know obviously there's a certain element of you know god choosing the outcome of all things obviously no one disagrees with that but the practical implications of it on your day-to-day life and your ability to make decisions that are either holy or sinful that certainly matters right um and there's sort of the the devil can really exploit certain aspects of that like you do this because you're just programmed to do it are you predestined to you know do bad things are you predestined to go to hell like what i mean there's so much division on this um that ultimately nobody fully understands it and that's the point of a mystery right um so you can't you can't just let that be a source of division. That's, that's unthinkable because there is no, 
answer that we as humans can fully comprehend. You know, the first syllable of denomination and division meant it's a dividing. Yeah. Dividing. And with me, you talk, you know, we talked about people say, well, it don't have anything to do with your salvation. I beg to differ because the word salvation means wholeness. Mm. How can I be whole in my mind when it's being ripped apart by, oh, you got to get saved every time you sin or you can lose your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. There's a rapture here. No, there isn't. It was just, it was just, man, because I grew up, we, you know, the way I grew up, we went to the church we lived by. Oh, yeah. Or down to, and then, you know, where I lived, the Baptist church, they got one on every corner, literally. Mm-hmm. And so that was where I, you know, I grew up. But then, you know, you, when you start dating and get a driver's license, you start, going to other kinds of churches and you and you hear stuff like, whoa, what was that? You know, and then you read in the Bible and you never noticed it. And then I was just, it really bothered me that there was so much um, division. And people say, well, in the essentials, we're all the same. No, we're not. If you're telling me I get baptized in the name of Jesus only, then over here it says get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, you say I can't get sprinkled. You say I have to be some... It's just endless chatter. Mm-hmm. And the thing I, I loved about the Catholic Church and what I do know about the Orthodox is it just is freaking logical to me. And it makes the Bible fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it helps that in the the apostolic faiths, again, you have the saints. You don't have to rely on one person explaining their understanding of the Bible. And you don't have to rely on you reading the Bible and understanding everything in it. And it doesn't hinge on you reading the Bible and understanding it correctly in order to go to heaven, right? You have you have actual literature to refer to outside of the Bible itself, written by people who dedicated their entire lives to studying it and living it. Um, and that made such a huge difference in my understanding of the faith and my understanding of how to live the faith. Um, I like, I like studying things. I like theology as a topic of study. And once you start reading the saints, you know, even just take the, you know, the major ones, right. Um, that everybody has heard of east or west you read them and obviously some writings are incredibly complicated but a lot of them really are not a lot of the writings of saints are homilies that they gave or letters that they wrote to people to clarify certain issues um or just messages that were meant for public consumption and you realize wow this actually isn't that hard to understand you just kind of have to have the humility to (laughs) accept it but once you do it's such an incredible resource that tells you the church's position or one of the potential explanations of an issue. Obviously, some theological issues are so complex that there have been debates over the past 2000 years, and that's fair. But you can read both sides of the debate and understand that, you know, it's beyond human understanding. But here are dude ways of looking through the lens, right? Um, 
and that that really changes things once you stop relying on you know just some guy who you see every sunday to explain the bible to you um and you realize you have 2000 years of people who studied it uh you know it's it's kind of it's kind of nice to have as a nerd like me you know resources it's kind of nice i love it what um so i was uh, after i met you uh you know it wasn't too long later i was flipping through instagram i see your in a freaking band. I, I think it was when, you know, Father Maximilian, I actually had him on. on I the, saw that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, was during that time period, I saw you in a band. said, Jesus, guys all over the place. So tell me about your music. Um, Well, Father Max, obviously, was a Catholic Palooza, performed, um, has a bunch of albums. There was a... Um, a Knights of Columbus event um, in, was it in early December? Um, and he was assembling a band to perform that. I did not realize until then that Father Max had only like gotten into performing as we know it, like last year. Like oh. I thought this guy had been doing it forever, but he was like still actually relatively new to playing with a band. Cause he has solo stuff too. Um, and so they needed a bassist and I was like, okay, you know, when a priest needs help, you don't say no. right? <laughs> so, um, but it's fun, right? It's, it's tons of fun. So we went up to his hermitage in Pennsylvania and practiced there a few times, which is amazing. Uh, he lives in a, a beautiful, beautiful part of the world there. Um, you know, in his little studio in his hermitage. And then we performed at this, uh, it was like a benefit gala for Catholic radio sort of thing. Um, and it was so much fun. So, um, you know, I hadn't, uh, really been involved in music for a while. I was sort of, you know, I went to grad school, I was focused on my career and everything. Um, and I really couldn't support my music hobby without having a good day job. So that was kind of my focus. But what, uh, you're uh, post-grad in, what'd you do? So, so I'm a pharmacist. I went to pharmacy school. Yeah. Um, so I do like pharmaceutical stuff, basically. I'm not like a retail pharmacist. Like I don't work at CVS or whatever. I have a desk job. But um, the point is that even though I've been, you know, musical my entire life it doesn't pay the bills because music is like the most expensive hobby to have um yeah. and but, right you know oh yeah uh, um but when the opportunity presented itself to actually you know get back into performing um it was like absolutely uh it's tons of fun and so now um you know we're writing stuff we're recording stuff um hoping to make this thing grow from here we'll see what happens are y'all going to be in the next Palooza event? We'll be doing stuff this year. I don't know enough details about the Palooza to say for sure. Um, but we will we will definitely be performing and we'll be recording and, you know, releasing things. Um, hopefully doing music videos and stuff too. So um, you will see us around. I'm not yeah. sure which festivals, but we'll you'll see us around. <laughs> Well, I hope y'all make it down or up to that one. Uh, I talked to 
what's his name? Wafers. Wafers, yeah. Yeah, I've been picking picking them for information for about a month now. And <laughs> really, probably the last to know anything, but he lets me know things, and I'm I'm excited because my whole family's going, mm -hmm. and you get to meet some really the people that are really there because they're serious about their faith. I'm not talking about stuck up goody two shoes people. I mean, my gosh. When I got there, I sat down, and everybody in the world was trying to give me a bottle of bourbon or, or something. And I, I don't drink anymore. But I remember the guys at the sound table, you know, they'd be praising God and women, then praising God one second, then cussing over the, the sound. And they, here, dude, hey, Pops, you want some of this? You know, and matter of fact, when I met Margaret, Margaret, you know, I just asked her for an interview. And we went and sat on the right next to the soundboard. And I told her, hey, if you want something to drink while we're waiting, they're trying to drown me. But, uh, okay, well, I didn't know they had a bottle of bourbon at the, uh, you know, at the mixer, because that might explain some of the audio issues. In yeah, I, you know, I missed out on some things. After me and you arm wrestled. I stood up, man. It was like being in a movie, like I was in the Sahara with no water. And I hurled, I mean, in public. You know, I couldn't yeah. hold. I hurled all the way to that. I think it was an auditorium around the corner and crawled on the floor, you know, and just fell out and I ended up going home. Like, it, like oh it got dark. Not home in Alabama, but yeah. I said, uh, Cause I'm there. I was there for security. Yeah. Cause you know how them cra crazy stalkers and crazy people are. And so I was just going to watch him. He straight. I was sick. I was food poisoned. And that warm arm wrestling, you kicked my butt. I mean, I put everything into it. And when I just, it just hit me. So I went to the hotel room and I fell asleep and I called Brian and said, bring me some Rolaids or tongue. And he didn't come back to way past, way past curfew. Poor up, man. He was poor, but he said, you missed it, Dad. You missed it. And he started telling me all this stuff that happened when I left. I said, I'm glad I wasn't there. But the part, the part that I uh, missed, he said, was pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean it was it was great, but it will be ideal for future <laughs> events to not be in like three hundred degree heat <laughs> um, <laughs> and like two hundred percent humidity. Um, I was dying. Like I was I was just you know, looked at the videos after the fact, I was like my skin was like bright red. Like <laughs> it's not healthy. I was dehydrated. I, I had gone to breakfast that that big burly guy that was in the band, um, his uh, his, his uh, Goldfinger or something, God Hill, mm -hmm. Gold, yeah, yeah. I was I ate breakfast with him, and I met a bunch of guys from Long Island that's in a, another band, and that was like early in the morning. I didn't eat anything till that night. Man, I got so sick, and I was not expecting Virginia to be that hot. I thought they were joking. I mean, neither was I. I didn't, um, 
you know, I don't go to Richmond much, but I didn't expect it to be an actual sauna. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get in July, I guess, but uh, it was yeah. especially bad. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to next one. I hope it works out where you, you guys are all there. Because, uh, you know, you said how it kind of changed your life. Mm. Even though I missed half of it, I met so many people. I mean, just randomly meet them. I and you know how you pass, you're passing each other's screen names and stuff and mm. and just staying in touch. And, and like you said, a lot of those people I talked to multiple times a week, you know, mm. and they were nice to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. And I met those. Did you meet the guys from Orders Walk? Uh, yes. Yeah, I haven't talked to them since, but I met them there. Yeah. Yeah, they got some kind of brutal retreat you go to, like a boot camp, Catholic boot camp thing, and they're all retiring drill instructors and dream braids and stuff and all. And so, I met some cool people. And Margaret, she's sweet as can be. Oh yeah very friendly and when i asked for an interview she said sure and some people were you you know a no name like me you can't get an interview you know it was so nice to meet her and and you and everyone there just a great time so i hope it works out yeah me too it was a it was a, a great event to kick off what really is a movement um and it happened at just the right time to kick off this movement. And, I, you know, the movement is growing. It spreads out. Um, uh, I'd love to, you know, see you in the D.C. area sometime. There's a lot of good stuff going on here. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. This year is always, already becoming very busy yeah. in a good way. Um, and there's so much momentum and I think we just keep, keep adding to that momentum, keep pushing things, things forward, however we can. Um, and we'll see where it goes. It's just been an absolute roller coaster. You know, once you, once you open yourself up to whatever God wants to do and you just say, yes, um, man, life is, life is pretty crazy, but in all the best ways. How how far are you guys from Front Royal? How far is Front Royal? I think it's, I want to say maybe it's like an hour and a half to maybe an hour to an hour and a half. I'm not sure. I haven't been to Front Royal in a while. I just um, keep ending up in that place twice last year, and I keep meeting people from there. And uh, last year we drove by and saw the cathedral. Oh, mm-hmm. They were building it when I first saw it, and I didn't know what it was. And then coming back through there with Brian from Palooza, you know, he pumps the brakes, and we do a bat turn, end up going to Mass there and meeting some nuns and a priest and ended up spending the night. Oh, yeah. And I thought, that's, is it LifeSite News? LifeSite News, yeah. Yeah, they're there, and a whole, you know, just a, uh, I met some people since since Palooza, I met people that live there. Mm-hmm. And that's Catholic, a lot of Catholic guys up there, girls. Really good play. So Oh I'm yeah. Kind of, yeah, I'm Northern right. Virginia and Central Virginia are definitely epicenters of the Catholic movement. The the pro life movement 
and just the Catholic movement in general. Um, so you've got to move to Front Royal, it seems. <laughs> That's I'm, what I'm hearing. I'm I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. I told Brian, you know, he's away on this pre-Lent. Lent. He's been praying. I mean, he's been locked away for weeks, praying and all. Mm. I saw him the other day, man. He's about this big around. You know, he's into putting his flesh down and and he told me that uh once he gets through with this lint, heck, we go right into an, the real lint after that. Sooner or later he start uh putting out some feelers for that part of the country. So I ain't leaving my grandkids. No, no, of course not. No. So you just if, gotta bring them. Yeah, if the, if they can go, I'll go. I'll be right behind them. That's all I care about is my grandkids. I'm, you know, so I appreciate you being on. This was uh, such a pleasure. I'm glad we, uh, you know, made it happen. It's been a while since we talked face to face, so it's good to see you. Yeah. And, uh, you okay. know, I look forward to the next discussion, right? Oh. The, you gotta. Next one. <laughs> uh, brother, um, Ada Margaret for me, okay? Absolutely. All, All right. right. Bye bye. Thanks.